Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. Uh, And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing uh, happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Jesus told us that he must be about his father's business. Let's talk about what the father's business pertains to and actually is. The father's business in relation to Christ was to come to die for the sins of mankind and to be buried and raised again from the dead. And yet before he did that, he said, I must be about my father's business. In the context there, he was learning from the rabbis there in the end of Luke chapter 2. And when they he sat in the midst of the doctors, that's the doctors of the law, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. This is Jesus when he was about 12 years old. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist or knew ye not that I must be about my father's business? And the father's business at that age, because remember Jesus, as we read in verse 52 here in the end of Luke, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so Jesus sought the word of God, sought the Lord among those who were the doctors of the law, and he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And that was all in preparation for being about, verse 49, his father's business of teaching and preaching the kingdom of his father, the kingdom of God, the domain of the king, that's Jesus. And so Matthew 24, 14, our last, one of our last days chapters, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And who is it that is going to be preaching this gospel of the kingdom? Who is it? Who is God? call to preach and to teach the gospel of the kingdom of Christ for a witness unto all nations. Well, he's called us, saints. That's us. That's what we're here to do. So many people who claim to be saved are just busy about perpetuating their own existence and increasing in goods and travel and everything under the sun of a a non-eternal value. You know, it's just a consumerism lifestyle among so many. 
And uh, there's no concern for the preaching and teaching of the gospel. Not only are they called to communicate the gospel themselves, Philemon 1.6, but also to support the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. The Great Commission is what Jesus gave us. That's for everyone who names the name of Christ to participate in in one way or the other. Matthew 28, same gospel, the, the last chapter, the actual last three verses of Matthew. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. So that's the very last words of Christ as he commissions all who will follow him to teach them, that's all men, uh, all things whatsoever I commanded you. And he said, he's going to be with us. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So I'm going to be with you in this mission that I'm sending you to accomplish. And I want you to spread my teachings to all men, teach them everything I've taught you. And Jesus, who is God Almighty, he had risen from the dead already, by the way, in this, in the end of Matthew. And so he was back in his divine form and he was he knew all things from past, present, future because he is God. So he knew that we would have his Bible, we that are reading his words right now. And so we actually have the record of everything he taught in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And isn't that a blessing beyond measure? Amen. The treasure chest of the Word of God, which is our heritage. Psalm 119, verse 111. So Jesus tells us that all power, not some, but all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. And we're to go forth and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Now, you know, the way I baptize, water baptize, has always been in the name of Jesus, Father, we baptize this person in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost by the authority of Jesus Christ or something like that, covering all bases, amen, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. So, all power is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ for you and I to teach the Word of God, to teach with the contents of the Word of God, the original gospel to all men. Notice here that he says, he commissions us to go teach the Bible. He never says, go make disciples. Notice, Jesus didn't say, go make disciples. You can't make a disciple other than maybe yourself. You can choose for yourself, but you teach them the word. And this is where a lot of the new versions say that we're to go forth and make disciples. This has caused more trouble and more evil than can be calculated because that ultimately results in people uh, as Satan who corrupted God's word and these new fake Bibles uh, knew that it would. What happens is people start making disciples unto themselves, unto their religion, unto their being a Baptist or whatever, and not unto Christ. Jesus never said, King James Bible, to go make disciples. That may shock some of you, but if you'll go ahead and take a look and search King James Bible software for make disciples or any variation thereof, you're not going to find it in the King James Bible. He didn't say, go ye therefore and make disciples. 
He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So you're teaching the word of God. can't make anybody a disciple because they have a free will. And that's why the Bible, the real Bible for the English-speaking peoples, the King James Bible, does not say, go make disciples. Jesus never said that. You go teach them what the master has taught, and they choose or not to become a disciple. We've got every sect under the sun seeking to make people loyal to them, not Christ. This actually violates known truth throughout Scripture and the fact that Paul said, I don't come to you with excellency of speech. Why? So, And, you know, with man's wisdom. And it's man's wisdom to say we need to go make disciples when Christ never said that. Paul says he didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that what? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul sought to foster people's love for and faith in Christ, not himself. That's First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. And then we also have him saying things like this. He said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Don't follow us, follow him. In fact, didn't Paul himself say, follow me as I follow Christ? 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. As I follow Christ, in other words, follow me. Follow that example. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In other words, I follow Christ, and I want you to follow Christ like I do, notice Second Corinthians 4, 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. You know, people in ministry today have become far too prominent in the equation instead of being mere vessels and messengers of the Lord's gospel message and preaching it to others and allowing them to choose to follow him. They have become an end in themselves. You know, we meet so many people nearly on a daily basis who are so full of pride and yet in ministry or supposedly in ministry. I had a guy recently tell me, he's, don't you dare correct me. How dare you? I've been pre preaching and teaching the gospel for 41 years. You know, the guy's using the word karma. Okay, uh, along with another bad word. And I simply kindly shared with him that karma comes from the false religions of Hinduism and Buddhism. And it's a false teaching that you're going to somehow evolve and die and then evolve into come back as some other person. And you're going to be in your next life. You're going to be reaping what you sowed in the first life. This is absolutely a damnable heresy because the Bible says it is appointed on the men once, just once to die. But after this, the judgment, there is no second chance. There is no such thing as reincarnation. Okay, it's a lie. So he uses the word karma. And yet when corrected, this guy just comes unglued. I mean, he absolutely comes unglued. And he's talking about how he's been teaching the Bible for 41 years. I proceeded to inform him that he's not even saved. And uh, he had not one scripture on his social media platform. Not one. It's all about politics and other stuff. Not one Bible verse. Yet this guy is coming off 
the way he did, which was ridiculous. He didn't even answer the rebuke. He just blocked me. I think he hopefully was embarrassed, convicted, and truly repents and gets saved. Because you could teach the Bible for a million years and still die and go to hell if your heart is not right with God. Even if we give our bodies to be burned and we have not the love of God, we we have nothing. First Corinthians 13. Again, so much pride associated with those who should know better. Uh, another guy has a ministry that he's actually creating a cult where there are people who are, he's calling himself the head general and other people are generals underneath him. This is just ridiculously cultish and Luciferian. Uh, Seems like ministry has become a place for so many who want to be seen of men and accoladed by men have found a place to act out these evil, Luciferian, pride-filled exploits where they basically manifest themselves instead of Christ. You know, Scripture teaches that we're to be crucified with Christ, and when we are dead and buried, He's going to raise us up to glorify Him and not ourselves. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ, Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. It's all about Jesus, saints. It's all about Jesus and Jesus and Jesus, Jesus Christ, the crucified Savior who was buried and raised again from the dead and is coming back soon. It's not about us. And we should never use titles. I You know, Jesus said, don't call any man father or rabbi, for you are all brethren. And uh, he that exalteth himself shall be humbled, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Matthew 23, 8 through 12. It seems like so many local churches become little more than self-aggrandizing performance festivals, you know, spiritually incestuous. No one's life is shining Christ's light seven days a week, as was the case with the earliest followers of Jesus. They went everywhere preaching the word. They were doing the Great Commission. And yet today we have taught people that they get saved and then they become part of this country club called the church and basically come in and sit down and shut up and pay your tithes. That's not how it was with the earliest followers of Jesus, who were much closer to and were an exact fulfillment of the Great Commission. They were fulfilling the Great Commission. They went house to house daily, fellowshipping with other believers. And the church grew. The Lord added to the church. As you read the book of Acts, after the after the day of Pentecost, where God filled all his people with the Holy Ghost, and that's such an imperative concerning having the power of Jesus to do his work, by the way. And we've got a category on the website, safeguardyoursoul.com, called Holy Spirit. And you can do the drop-down menu on the desktop version on the right and just go to the H's. Uh, that'll change your life, I can tell you right now. It sure changed mine. That doesn't save you, but it empowers you if you're already saved. 
you can receive the baptism, the full measure of the Holy Ghost, and it will equip you with God's equipment, His power to do His work. And His work is that we teach all men all things He's taught us and given us in His Word now on record, and to spread the gospel of the glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, and not make ourselves known. In fact, Jesus said, Paul said, that we're to prefer others above ourselves. Our lives on this earth are consist of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. I let nothing be done, Philippians 2, 3 through 5, through strife or vain glory, that is, glory to ourselves, but in low, notice lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. We're not to lift up ourselves, we're to lift up others, amen? Look not every man on his own things. Don't be concerned about your own life only, but let every man, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why not? Because he is God, but made himself of no reputation. That is the, the word of God who came and be, was made flesh among us and dwelt among us. That means can't, pitched his tent among us. John chapter 1, but made himself of no reputation. It took upon him the form of a servant. Get the picture here. Jesus Christ, the almighty God of heaven and earth, came and did not assume any reputation, but put on a girded himself, as he did in John 13, to wash the disciples' feet, to be a servant. Kind of like when you go to a restaurant and the people with the aprons on, they have girded themselves to serve. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to serve. In fact, John 1.10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So this is the God who created the earth and then came down to the earth to be born of a virgin and to be fully man and yet fully God and to serve those he had created who now live upon his earth and came to die for. Absolutely incredible. Those who had sinned against him while we were yet sinners, Christ came to the earth, right, and died for the ungodly, Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. So Jesus came and made himself of no reputation. He wasn't trying to draw any attention to himself. It took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. And so like Jesus, who came to make the Father known, we are here to make Christ himself known, not ourselves. And ultimately, God hath highly exalted Christ and given him a name which is above every name. This is still in Philippians 2, that at the name of Jesus, amen, not the name of Yahweh or Yahuwah or any variation of these crazy Jewish cult that cults that we see, these uh, sacred name cults that are rising up. If you want more on that, look up sacred name. That's a good search word in the search box on safeguardyoursoul.com. Notice it was at the name, that at the name of Jesus. Yes, the name of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Preach Jesus. Amen. It's Jesus that every knee is going to bow to. That at that name or at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus 
Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Of this passage, F.B. Meyer says, uh, speaking of following the example of Christ and self-surrender here in Philippians 2, he says, In all scripture, indeed, in all literature, there is no passage which combines such extraordinary extremes as this. The apostle opens the golden compasses of his faith, placing one jeweled point on the throne of divine glory and the other at the edge of the pit where the cross stood. And then he asked us, asked us to measure the vast descent of the Son of God as he came down to help us. Mark the seven steps. He was in the form of God, that is, as much God as he was afterward a servant. Being in the form of God, he took the form of a servant. He was certainly the latter, and equally so the former. He did not grasp at equality with God, for it was already his. He emptied himself, that is, he refused to avail himself of the use of his divine attributes, that he might teach the meaning of absolute dependence on the Father. He obeyed as a servant the laws which had their source in himself. He became Man, a humble man, a dying man, a crucified man, he lay in the grave, but the meaning of his descent was that of his ascent, or his resurrection. And to all his illustrious names is now added that of Jesus Savior. This must be our model. This mind must be in us. In proportion, as we become humbled and crucified, we, in our small measure, shall attain the power of blessings and saving men. And that was from F.B. Meyer. Another writer notes, just breaks down this passage, basically, uh, in Philippians 2. That, And we're talking about the Great Commission, folks, where we're teaching people what, what Jesus taught. And we're, we're praying and fostering, hopefully, prayerfully, as we teach the Bible, that their faith would be in Him and not in us. That's what the Great Commission is, not taking our own name and spreading our church name all over the world. And, you know, there's a lot of churches where, you know, if you're you're basically going to be their brand ambassador, you know, if you're just going somewhere doing ministry work and it's the gospel, the word of God, something they're not doing usually, uh, uh, they're not going to help you. They're not going to fund you. They're not going to supply you and support you. No, they're not. They're only going to do that when it involves you spreading their name all over the you know countryside and in another city or another country or whatever. Why? Because they're all about themselves. It's totally corrupt and apostate. I highly recommend that you do not participate in such fact. So Philippians 2, seven steps in Christ's exaltation. God highly exalted him. God gave him a name above all names. At the mere mention of his name, every knee must bow. Amen. I love that song. There's something about that name. Wow. Any of you that know that, like myself, almost start to cry when you think about that beautiful, beautiful song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Amen. There's no power in the name of Buddhist or Muhammad or, or some phony pope in Rome. All power in heaven and in his earth is given unto him. 
and his name is Jesus Christ. He alone came to the earth, born of a virgin, fulfilling hundreds of prophecies to the utter detail, fulfilling all of the messianic prophecies, because that's who he is, the Messiah, and came and gave us his teachings and sent us, by the way, after he died on the cross, actually, it was when he gave the Great Commission. He died on the cross, was buried, raised again from the dead, and gave us this Great Commission to go teach all men everything he's taught us. And let me tell you, that's beyond the lifestyle. And so we must be busy about doing it and in doing our Father's business. And let me add, uh, supporting those whom God has called out to work full time as laborers. Remember, Jesus said we're to pray that he, the Father, the Lord of the harvest, would send forth laborers into his harvest. And he said those laborers are few, end of Matthew 9. And so if you know somebody that is preaching and teaching the word of God and you're being fed and they're feeding others and winning others to Christ, that's your opportunity to support that work. God says in Ephesians 4.28 that we work so that we may have to give. Are you supporting the gospel? You should ask yourself. If not, why not? And believe you should repent and ask the Lord to forgive you and begin to obey him. And that's how you lay up treasure in heaven. That's how you lay up treasure in heaven. Everything in heaven must bow. Everything on earth must bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Everything under the earth must bow. Every tongue must confess the Lordship and the glory of God the Father in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians chapter 2 that we have looked at. So this glorious gospel, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, is being preached by the true body of Christ. I would doubt that anyone who's not participating in the Great Commission is truly ready to meet Jesus. Jesus sent us forth to do his work. We're his ambassadors, those whose lives he's changed. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, right? Old things are passed away. All things have become new and of God. And then he says we're his ambassadors and there in Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 20. We're here to represent him and not ourselves who have been changed by his saving grace by Christ are now his ambassadors to make him known, to go teach. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's what we're here for. We're just passing through. We're not here to stay in this world at this time. If we do, it'll be in the new Jerusalem our new residence when Christ returns. But for now, we're not here to do our own bidding or see how many things we can lay up on this earth, how many experiences we can have, but to do the Father's business, teaching men to observe as we teach the Bible, whatever he commanded us in his word, that is from Genesis to Revelation. And he promises that he's going to be and is with us now and even until the end of the world in this mission that he has sent us on. The scripture tells us to let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and that would be with our worship, our lives, our words, our wealth that he's giving us. For now, in this temporary life, are we being faithful with our words and our wealth to spread the wealth of the glorious gospel of Christ? So in accomplishing and being about the Father's business by the great commission of teaching all men about Christ and uh, giving them his teachings. We see that in the earliest followers of Jesus, Act 5, 25. In fact, the word teaching appears 25 times in the Bible, and they were teaching the people. 
Verse 25, 525, 1535, teaching and preaching. Paul and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And let me stop to say this. God is holding you and I personally responsible to make him known, to preach and to teach his word. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, Jesus commanded. Mark 16, 15, it's the greatest part, the meat of the great commission is teaching and preaching the word of God. It's amazingly biblical and a blessing to feed hungry people. But you know, when Jesus did the miracle of the loaves and fishes, it was so that he could teach them his word. His word is the way that people are born again. You can feed stomachs from now till kingdom come, but nobody's going to get saved unless you feed their spirit with the word of God. And so one works with the other, the most important being teaching the word of God, the incorruptible seed of the word of God. First Peter one twenty three. whereby men are born again. Amen. Also James one eighteen. we're begotten by the word of God. And so the word of God must be planted into the souls and spirits of men through teaching and communicating it and preaching it. Amen. And that's what we see the apostles doing here. Paul and Barnabas, they continued in Antioch doing what? Teaching and preaching. End of Matthew, end of Mark. Great Commission, right? Go teach all men all the things I've taught you, Matthew. And then in Mark, it says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel at the end of Mark. And let me ask you, are you participating in the fulfillment of the Great Commission? Because that would be to lay your hand on the kingdom plow. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I, I personally wouldn't want to die not being involved in the Great Commission, because that would tell, uh, that would be clear evidence that I'm really not obeying God and walking with Him. There's no way you could be walking with God and not accomplishing and doing and being about the Father's business. And somebody might say, wow, that really you know, sounds like only a small percentage of those who claim to be Christian today. And that's that's right. Jesus said that the Father's flock is a little, a small flock. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Okay, because see, we've made Christianity basically into churchianity. You get saved and then you become a good member of a church uh, and you help the pastor build all of his dream and his greed-driven agenda. While he dresses it up with it and couches it in some biblical terminology, it's really him just building his own kingdom. Okay, and God's not going to reward you for that. Uh, he might punish you for that because he says that if you bid Godspeed to a false a prophet, you're going to receive his reward. In other words, you're going to go to hell with him. So you better consider your ways, my friend. Like it says in Haggai 1, consider your ways. In fact, we've got a message on that. If you just put the word consider in the search box on Safeguard Your Soul or consider your ways, you'll find an explosive message on that topic. It's very important, friends, to stop. If you're listening to this message and are basically saying, I don't want to deal with this, you know, some call it cognitive dissidence or something. Anyway, distancing yourself from the truth instead of owning it and saying, Lord, whatever it takes, break me to where I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in the word. I'm doing what you called me to do for which you are going to judge me for. Remember Matthew chapter 25 and as Keith Green summated, he said, the difference between the sheep and the goats were what they did and what they did not. 
do, Jesus said, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another, divideth his sheep from the goats. Amen. Are you a true sheep or a goat at this point? And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, that's Jesus, capital K, king, king of kings, come ye to those on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. So those who are going to be with Jesus, the sheep on his right hand, as opposed to the goats who did not have the fruit because they did not root themselves in Christ, those that are rooted in Christ are out to help other people. Now, you and I can't help everybody. You know, we can't. Nobody can help everybody. But you are responsible to be sensitive to and pray for the Lord to use you to help others. And when you, you're real with God, you're going to be real with your help. You're not going to say, bless you on your way. You're going to buy him a meal or something. Get him a coat from the thrift store or whatever. Have Bibles in your car, King James Bibles. You can get them real cheap at the thrift stores. And reading glasses, too, by the way, because some of the homeless need that. They can't read. I've been finding that to be uh, a major blessing. They're so excited to get the re They're excited to get the Bibles I give them, but not. they get really excited to get the glasses, the reading glasses. Why is that? Well, now they can read the Bible I gave them. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you do ministry. And by the way, this ministry outreach supplies other ministering disciples, folks, across the country. And we definitely want to give thanks to the five to eight people that support this ministry. We would sure do so much, be able to do so much better as we're, we, you and I are laborers together with God. If we had a few more helping guys, I don't know how else to say it. You just would not believe. We do pray that we ask you to pray that this ministry would survive. That's all I'm going to say. So, I mean, that, that should give you a little bit of a scope of how many people are really participating in the Word of God. When you got a ministry that's feeding tens of thousands of people with the Word of God every month in and out for many years, and you got less than 10 people supporting it. I mean, I don't know about you, that, that sounds pretty shocking. That sounds scary. And by the way, when you support the work of God, you're doing nobody else a favor except yourself. God doesn't need you. You're not going to earn anything with God. Now, you're going to reap what you sow, and he's going to give seed to the sower. Don't act like you're doing any individuals a some kind of a favor. You look at it like you're giving as unto the Lord so that people can be fed his word, the word that saved you, the word of his gospel. And Christians, most importantly, can be fed and sustained in this late hour where darkness is abounding and the love of many is waxing cold. We got to wax hot. There's no reason reason why you can't. In fact, God fully intends you and I to wax hot, while many, unfortunately, have chosen to wax cold because they don't stay in the Word, they don't stay upon the Lord, they don't stay in prayer, and they fall away. That's the only way you can fall away. In fact, if you're not in the Word every day, you've already fallen away. If you don't have a life of prayer, you've already fallen away and are in need of repentance. This is not our home, saints. This is not our home. Let's get that in our heads. We look not 
at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse 37, Then shall the righteous answer him, answer Jesus the king, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hungered and fed thee? or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you did it unto me. Notice, under his brethren. In fact, Jesus taught in the end of Matthew chapter 10, he taught about the blessing of helping those that are doing his work. Notice this, Matthew chapter 10, right at the end, he says this. What is it, verse 40? He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet. Well, let's start in verse 40. Verse 38, let's start there. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Amen. Those that aren't crucified with Christ aren't doing his will. And if you're not doing his will, which is the Great Commission specifically, you're not crucified with Christ and you're not following him. Jesus said in order to follow him, you got to do what? You got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. If it's not daily, it's not at all. Luke 9, 23 and 24, Matthew 10, 39, the next verse, he that findeth his life, that is in this world, shall lose it. See, if you're all about yourself and all your self-pursuits and making a better place uh, for yourself and your family in this life, to getting richer and to travel to all these exotic, you know what? You're finding your own life and you're going to lose it eternally. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. If you're not getting lost in Christ, you really don't know what freedom is, first of all, because you're full of sin and corruption and shame and guilt. But if you're losing your life in Christ, because he said you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God, John the Baptist said, you must increase, Lord, I must decrease. That's when the life of Christ, and it doesn't matter where you are or how expensive the clothes you are have on are or what kind of house you're living in, you have the riches of heaven, and you're the only happy person on the planet. That is, those of like mind who are losing their own life for Christ they're going to find it. They're going to gain it unto everlasting life. Verse 40, He that we've got to go back through these gospels and read them and take God at his word, saints. Verse 40, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When you receive a true servant of the Lord and you support them, you're supporting Christ. You're receiving Christ because he's the one who sent them. Men don't send themselves. A lot of these, most of the church building hirelings have sent themselves. They got a profession. They went and got a degree to learn how to deceive people and to market them, make merchandise of them, as Peter put it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about men that are called out of God. They are on mission for God. They didn't call themselves. He called them and he has and is equipping them to give out his word, to fulfill his great commission and to help you see your need to participate. Because why? We are laborers together with God. First Corinthians 3, 9, we are his ambassadors. That means we're about the Father's business. And that would be, as Christ said, to teach his word and to preach it and to get the word of God into the hearts of the people far and wide. This gospel of the kingdom, he said, shall be preached in all the world leading up to his return. Isn't that what he said? Matthew 24, 14. Are you participating in this preaching of the gospel of Christ's kingdom in all the world? You can. That's the good news. 
and God gives seed to the sower. If you take out of what you have that he's given you, he's going to replenish it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. And the fruits of your righteousness are going to be increased. Okay, verse 41, Matthew 10. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of water. It seems like the context is a true prophet or servant of the Lord here doing ministry. In fact, the chapter here, Matthew 10, begins with Jesus sending out his 70 to do his work. So that seems to be the context here. And whosoever, the last verse of the chapter, here it is, Matthew 10, 42. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones, and that would be those ministering in context, a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily, uh, in other words, because he's a disciple, verily I say of Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. That's the eternal rewards that are going to be reaped by those who are uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of Christ throughout the world. And how else would this scripture be fulfilled? I speak as a man, it seems parent again i'm speaking as a man my opinion how else would this be accomplished jesus knows everything past present and future of course so he knew that we were going to have the technology to reach people all over the world that alone should tell us as the beginning verses of daniel 12 that when we see the increase the exponential expansion of technology we can know that the lord's return is nigh and that's the vehicle by which millions upon millions are being reached with the te the word of God, the Great Commission is being accomplished through the technology we have today. Uh, we should all be ministering locally, obviously, and also in any way we can to reach others. If you're a Christian, name in the name of Christ, I, I want to exhort you immediately that if you don't have any scripture on your social media platforms, well, you need to be rebuked and stop it and start putting forth the word of God. Then you got other people, and I know everybody has to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, but I wonder about some, well, I don't want to get on uh, social media. Well, why not get on there and just preach the gospel? I mean, I don't understand that. Even if you just set up your platform and didn't touch it forever, but just posted a bunch of scripture, God forbid somebody might read them and they will read them and they might get saved. Wouldn't that be a shame? You know, so where, where's our thinking here? Okay, all right. Matthew 25, 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it, you have done it, I'm sorry, unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Amen. When you bless a disciple of Christ, a sheep of Christ, a servant of Christ, you do it as unto the Lord. Amen. Not unto men. Okay, you're taking out of what God has given you in worship and you're giving it to them. Okay, to bless them. And you can't outgive God, by the way. Verse 41, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand. Okay, here's the contrast. We just read about how God's going to bless those on the right hand. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, you proved that you love me. You truly walked with me. And it manifested in you being a blessing to other of my people. Amen. That's a summation of the sheep. Now we turn to the goats, or he turns to the goats. Jesus says, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil 
and his angels. In other words, God prepared hell, the compartment in the center of the earth for the devil and his angels. And yet those who rebel, like the, as did the devil and the third of, his, of the angels, are going to go to hell with those rebels. God will not have one rebel in his eternal kingdom. So he's telling them that they're going to depart from me, the goats, those who didn't serve him for real. Ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, it really pays, if you will, to uh, actually serve God and not just say you serve God. 1 John 3.18, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, we don't serve with lip service. We actually serve with charity or charitable acts. We actually do practically bless the Lord by blessing his people. Okay, so Jesus continues, Matthew 25, 42, For I was hungered and hungered, I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. In other words, you laid in bed at night and walked around all day meditating on all this money you've invested and how much you're making and what you can do with it. And you could care less about, unfortunately, some people, even some listening to me, about whether or not the Lord's people and his servants actually have a morsel of uh, anything in their cupboard or place to lay their head or their bills paid. See, you thought that was going to be okay because you were rich unto yourself, building your own life in this world instead of losing it. And so you, when Jesus was hungry, one of his people, you gave them no meat. They were thirsty and you gave them, you didn't help them. I was a stranger and you took me not in, naked and you clothed me not, sick and in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Notice what they're saying there. They're acting like they didn't know that there were people in need around them, and they didn't ask those people. They just went about their own business. And so they're acting like they have an excuse. But this, these words clearly show us that there is no excuse for not helping others. You're to be preferring others above yourself. So they're going to say, wait a minute, Lord. When did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or somebody we didn't know, a stranger, naked, somebody that needed a coat or whatever, or sick or in prison or and not minister to you? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of these my brethren, or the least of these, I'm sorry, ye did it not unto me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Matthew 25. You know, this further proves that if you don't have good works, you don't have saving faith. We're saved by grace through faith, and we're saved by grace to be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So if you don't have the good works, the fruit of true saving faith, I didn't say the works saved you. I said they will always be a fruit of those who are saved by grace. If you don't have good fruit, you don't have saving grace. doesn't matter how you claim it. The sheep and the goats, what, what was the difference? What they did and what they did not do. Amen. We are laborers together, you and I, with God, saints. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We're here to be a blessing to all of those around us. Paul talked about we uh, many times. We are ambassadors. Notice 2 Corinthians 5.20. You're going to see that in 2 Corinthians a lot. He's talking about we, the body of Christ. 
We're in union together, accomplishing our Lord's great commission. Every person's part is vitally important. I mean, think about in wartime. I was a Marine. Many of you out there are veterans. So you think in these terms where you got Marines, you got Army infantrymen, all of these great veterans. You got them in the trenches, in trench warfare. And they got their, you know, ARs and whatever weaponry. Can't keep up with it all now these days because I've been out for a while, but they're in there fighting in the foxhole. They're fighting the enemy. How are they going to function, beloved, if the supply line of trucks that truck the food for them to be sustained in, uh, the ammo and all the other things, how are they going to function if the supply line is broken down, if people aren't doing their part, if people aren't loading that truck and getting those supplies to the men on the front line? How in the world are they going to function? They're not. It's going to completely frustrate the work of Christ, which is the accomplishing of the Great Commission. Saints, we're to lay up treasure in heaven, not on earth, because on earth, moth and rust does corrupt anything you lay up. And by the way, according to James 5, if you've got money sitting around that could be invested, but you're keeping it for your own security, that what you're trusting in, the Bible says in James 5 that That money is actually going to testify against you in the Supreme Court of the universe. That money that could have been used to further the gospel of Christ to accomplish the Great Commission. And if you think that's extreme, read it for yourself in James 5. And also look at what happened in the early church. The earliest believers sold everything of excess they didn't need so that they could turn it into cash and give it to those believers in need and to the apostles. They laid it all down at the apostles' feet there in the sixth chapter of Acts. And in the second and fourth chapter of Acts, we see they when they got saved at Pentecost, again, they sold everything they had that they didn't need, gave it to the believers in need to the for the work of the ministry, for the gospel to be fed. That's exactly what we're to be doing. Jesus said, continuing in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth, and in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt it, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Your greatest investment is going to be that which you put forth into the kingdom of God and what you're doing when you give to the brethren and to the body of Christ that are laboring, called out of God to full time to minister, you're giving it to the Lord. That's what Jesus made clear in Matthew 25. And as much as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Then Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In obeying God by putting the treasure, a portion of the treasure that he's giving to you through your work, he gave you that work so that you can have seed to sow, not not seed that's going to multiply 15 times on the earth. That's not what we're saying, but he did use that term. Don't abandon the truth because somebody else abused it. 2 Corinthians 9. Okay, so your work is so that you will have to give, Ephesians 4.28. And you to be supplying those that are feeding you the Word of God and feeding others the Word of God to do your part in the Great Commission, to further the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And where your treasure is there will your heart be also. So many wonder why they're so cold, they're lukewarm, and they're convicted. Perhaps it's because you're putting your treasure in the world. You don't give any percentage of what you make to the Lord's work. Wow. Unreal. And that's why your heart is in the world and in sin and in all these other evil things, because that's where all your treasure goes. If you'll break off your sin of covetousness and hoarding by righteousness, by doing what's right, Daniel 4, 7, 4, 27, 
your heart will begin to be directed to the Lord into heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He didn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Meditate on that. Matthew 6, 21. Amen. So let's go ahead and close as we bring into memory 2 Corinthians 5, 10, which says, For we must all appear, that's the body of Christ, each member individually is going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Then he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, that notice the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Amen. So we persuade men concerning because of the fear and the terror of the Lord, but also that we're going to all stand in judgment before him to receive a reward according to what we have done, whether it be good or bad. So as we close, let's pray, saints, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ and in true repentance, acknowledging that we have grossly sinned against you by not putting you first, but rather ourselves. In this evil iniquity, Lord, we have committed the sin of idolatry and spiritual adultery. And here and now we ask you to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all of these, this unrighteousness, Lord. Here and now we repent, we turn our lives unto thee, O God, and we ask you to consume, to fill, to baptize us with your spirit, and to use us to accomplish the great commission that you sent us to accomplish and are holding us accountable to accomplish and will judge us for it as we spread your word, Lord, as you said, that all power in heaven and earth is given unto you and you're sending us to go and teach all men all the things that you taught us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for finding and saving us, Lord. Now, Lord, we ask you to use us mightily as we look for your soon return, dear Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, uh, edifying podcast on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with uh, uh, several, many books on there for your uh, edification in Christ. They're all scripture rich and Christ centered. Also tens of thousands uh, of saints and sinners are being reached every month. And uh, your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit uh, our donate page on the site. And uh, uh, you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach uh, is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and uh, all over the world. And uh, may God be praised that uh, there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together, in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.